So at long last, non-farm payrolls tonight in the United States is bound to have an impact one way or the other. So what will happen if it's softer than expected or better than expected? There's been very little bond movement or share movement. What moves there have been has been tended to be in currencies, the Aussie and the Kiwi dollars amongst the best performers. And whilst I said bonds haven't moved far, I'm already going to retract that because in New Zealand they have. We'll look at that as well. It's Friday, the 3rd of September, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, another good session for the Aussie dollar, just pushing over 74 US cents with a half percent rise. The pound is up about the same. The Kiwi dollar up 0.6%. The same for the Canadian dollar, the euro 0.3% up. So as you might expect, the US dollar is down on the DXY index, but only a quarter percent down. Uh, but look, if you add the uh, all the other losses over the last few days, over the last week, then it's 1% down since Jerome Powell gave his I'm not in Jackson Hole speech. Uh, small movements in equities in the United States and the S&P and Nasdaq uh, about 0.1% up. The Dow was also bumbling along a bit, but it's picked up to about 0.4% up late in the uh, in the session. European stocks too, nothing to write home about. Bonds also very quiet in anticipation of non-farm payrolls, except, as I said, for our, our Kiwi cousins. We'll come into that in a second. And oil shooting up, almost 2% for WTI and Brent, back over $70 a barrel. It fell yesterday, of course, as OPEC and Russia agreed to increase production, adding 400,000 barrels a day from October the 1st. That pushed oil prices lower. Obviously, it was seen as too much oil for a potentially slowing recovery. But today, well, a whole different view, it seems. Uh, But today, of course, it really is all about jobs ahead of non-farm payrolls tonight. Let's talk to NAB's Gavin Friend uh, in London. So we've, since we last spoke, Gavin, uh, we've had the weekly initial jobless claims numbers for the week of the 28th of August. Initial jobless claims were down that week from 354,000 uh, down the week before to 340,000. So that's good. And layoffs are also falling. So it's all good news. But is it enough? And will it be reflected in a positive big number for jobs in, in tonight's numbers? Yeah, morning, Phil. I mean, you're right. These were, um, these were on the face of it, positive numbers. This 340,000 weekly claims was the, 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 the lowest number um, post-pandemic. Um, uh, continuing claims, you know, which is the one that people watch, I guess, really is, um, you know, continues to range it to, to, to move lower, but it's the move is glacial. You know, if you look at um, weekly claims, the range prior to prior to Thursday, the range had been 349 to 425. So at 340, it's hardly moving the dial, but it's in the right direction and it wasn't negative. And of course, it comes following the numbers that we talked about uh, in Thursday's edition, where you know you've got concern on the U.S. labor market coming from the ADP number, you've got concern coming from the employment component of the ISM index, and uh, you know those things were the factors that led to a bid for the defensive sector uh, in yesterday's session. I mean, on Thursday actually, it's been pretty steady, which is you know the kind of thing you'd expect ahead of a big. Uh, reports such as non-farm non-farm payroll. Europe went out on a very slight, you know, 0.2% rise. Um, US equities actually opened up and we saw new record highs for the S&P and the NASDAQ. And then everything turned lower. Part of it, I think, was coming from the big tech sector itself um, as the US Department of Justice readies itself for an antitrust lawsuit over Google's ad tech business, according to Newswires. Um, 
But at the end, by the end of the day, again, you can't keep these things down, and we, you know, markets, the, the, the equity markets bounce back a little bit, and uh, it looks like we're going to finish slightly on the positive. Really, nothing, really nothing going on bond yields, but I think where the action that there was today was in the FX market. Yeah, quite a few moves there, weren't there? So I mentioned how the Kiwi dollar is doing so well, but, you know, wherever you look, uh, most major currencies are up, aren't they? Uh, and let's look at, I mean, Europe has been consistently doing well lately. Yeah, it's the high. So, so, so yeah, this Euro's up there, um, sort of a couple of month high. I think, you know, it, it's, it, it all comes from a general small easing of the US dollar. It's only down about 0.25, overall if you look through a basket of currencies. But that's been the way of the dollar since, you know, Jerome Powell's message at Jackson Hole a week ago. You mentioned the Kiwi dollar. Um, it's risen to slightly above a key uh, multi-month uh, technical resistance level at 71 cents. It's unusual for asset markets, whether FX or yields, to move through key levels ahead of a, a report like as important as a non-farm payroll. So if non-farm payroll is not weak, if it's a strong report, you'd expect the dollar to claw back some of these gains, some of these weakness, and you'd expect the Kiwi to fall back below, below 71. But the Kiwi's rise alongside gains you mentioned in the Aussie and the Euro, Sterling, Canada, etc., against the dollar suggests the FX market is either preparing for a weaker jobs market, you know, and here there's influence coming from that ADP number from the employment component of the ISM, from last Friday's Michigan, the soft consumer confidence number that we got on Wednesday, and Delta. If investors, if investors were really worried about you know, U.S. growth, uh, the outlook, you know, we can combine what's going on in China, the patch of slower data there. The delta thing, you you tend to see the dollar rise on safe haven. That's not what's happening, and in part of that, it might be that investors around the world are slightly modified by what's going on in Europe, where there's there's, there's signs of strength. But also, the softer dollar may be a reflection of the message from the Fed. You know, Jay Powell a week ago telling everybody that if it, you know when a taper comes, it mm. means nothing for rate liftoff, and we heard today more from. Other Fed speakers, yeah, like Raphael Bostic. But, but, but before you comment on him, I mean, do you think the market's just already moved on? Do you think it's already saying, "Look, it's going to be, it's going to be November." The big question is, uh, how quickly is it going to, is it going to be implemented, and uh, when's it all going to be over by? Um, well, the question of moving on. I mean, I, I, I'd perhaps phrase it another way. You know, the markets now know there's going to be a taper as long as the the economy continues to evolve in the way that it has been. Um, and, and there is, you know, I've just talked about there's a question mark over that because of COVID, because of some of the softer, weaker numbers coming on. But as long as that doesn't get derailed, a taper's coming. You know, Powell has told us this. Um, I think the more important thing is we, we, we don't know that we don't know how, how quickly the taper's going to take, take place. But more importantly, we know that there's no link, there's no mechanical link between the taper and a rate liftoff. And Raphael Bostic again said today, we're going to let the economy continue to run until we see signs of inflation before stepping in on rates. Clearly, he's not talking about the current, you know, high, high bouting of inflation. The Fed, the Fed's view is inflation is going to roll over. It's temporary. But, you know, as long as we do see that, that process where inflation falls back down to 2%, just above 2%, then the Fed can focus on, you know, seeing how many jobs it can create before uh, wages start to rise and it needs to move more earnestly on rates. That's the game plan. What we don't know is, what nobody knows is, 
whether inflation will fall back over the coming months or year or so, however long it takes the supply side. Yeah, well, there's so, many, so much uncertainty on that, isn't there? But let me just take you back to New Zealand again, because we talked about uh, the New Zealand currency. But also, what about, you know, what's happening with, with bonds? Because it's interesting, isn't it? What impact central banks are having on the bond markets on each side of the Tasman? Because we've got, uh, and I assume it's the central banks. I mean, uh, RBA still buying bonds faster than they're issued. The rates not expected to rise. Interest rates not expected to rise till 2024, whilst New Zealand expecting to ri- raise rates next month. And the spread uh, for 10-year bonds between the two, New Zealand 10-year yields are 71 basis points higher. This is the broadest spread we've seen for more than five years today. Yeah, to your point, I mean, you've got, you know, we talked about this yesterday. The RBA, we, we're not alone in not seeing the RBA move until 2024. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the RBNZ looks like COVID allowing it's going to move, you know, imminently. Um, we had some very strong um, terms of trade numbers for Q2, um, which came out um, yesterday, you know, which show increased um, purchasing power, but also attendant inflation coming through from the trade side. So that's just, you know, reminding people that uh, the RBNZ is still looking to do something. And, and, the, the, uh, and, and you know, the, um, the question there is, is it going to be 25 basis points or is it going to be 50? Yeah. All right. Interesting that, you know, that we are considering tapering or the US is considering tapering whilst the government there is planning to spend more. So you've got a central bank, in effect, that's pulling money uh, out of the system while uh, the, while the government is sort of wanting to create more spending, create more money. Uh, so you had uh, Joe Manchin, who's a Democratic senator, seen as one of the more moderate ones, saying today that they should hit the pause button on the $3.5 trillion spending plan. If he's seen as moderate, and we know there's this division, and uh, it's going to be difficult to get this, uh, th- this budget through, isn't it? Uh, but does it make sense to be ramping up spending when central banks are... Are, you know, trying to to pull money back. Well, of course, this is all part of uh, Joe Biden's plan to you know rewrite the economy um, with a big infrastructure bill. Um, and don't forget that the, the Democrats' plans to spend the additional money um, is not going to be it's not going to be free money. They want they want to they want to raise taxes in some areas to pay for this. Um, but you're right. I think the heart of the argument is um, you've got this, yeah, um, you know, pushback from some 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 of the Democrat side, and it, it it's going to take some time, you know, uh, the fall at least before we before we know whether this is going to go through. And I think, but know, I think his concern this, was that you know that if they're going to spend more, they're going to add to inflation, so that you know maybe that would mean that they have to raise interest rates well, sooner. Who knows what how that's well, all going to well, play? Well, well what you could say about that is, of course, the Fed um, the, the the Fed won't be setting policy until policy is set. You know, the Fed will always wait until it knows where fiscal policy is going before it reacts. So for the moment, it's a moot co- it, that, that's a moot point for the Fed. You know, it's not something that they're going to take on board. And they have to wait and see what happens if they get it through or not, of course, as well. So look, let's look at more immediately what's, what's going to happen today. So uh, non-farm payrolls, we, we've talked about, we haven't actually talked about uh, what the numbers uh, are expected to be. Last time, of course, no one had a clue. The, the predictions are all over the place. Yeah, I mean, the consensus uh, today is 725,000. Remember, we had 943 uh, non-farm jobs created uh, last month in July. But, the, the, you know, to your point, the, 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 the range of economist forecast is 400,000 to 1 million. So, again, you know, no idea, really. Um, the unemployment rate is seen ticking down two-tenths to 5.2. Average hourly earnings are seen up uh, 0.3% uh, month on month to about 3.9%. So all of those things will be, will be watched 
for. As I said, I think if it's if the report is strong, the dollar will claw back some of those losses. Yields may inch up very slightly, um, and equities may well suffer a little bit. And it's going to be vice versa if uh, if the number is soft. And I think you're you're more likely to get a, a, a larger reaction on a soft report because just that's the way the market's leaning now, given the the, so the the run of softer numbers that are coming through. Right. And in Europe, uh, we get retail sales there. We also get uh, a whole bunch of ISMs for the for the service sector uh pretty important because you know we've been having i know it's not a race i don't know who it was it said it's not a race but it's it's not a race is it between the u.s and europe but at one stage it looked like europe was recovering faster so this will give us more of a clue on that i guess yeah that's right i mean we get them from italy spain france germany etc if you look at the eurozone services you know overall um it's 59 it's it's just below 60 59.7 in the u.s we'll get the services uh, ism um, things are running a little bit hotter at 64, but the market is looking for something of a pullback to uh, 61.8. Um, but again, that, that's like like we saw with the manufacturing. The US seems to be performing a little bit better there. Um, it's just the market is more focused on the labour market con- you know, component yeah. of that yeah. at the moment, which is all gets down to how much uh, uh, jobs getting disrupted by supply chains. And interesting on that, just as an example of that, uh, Tesla. Uh, it was revealed today, reported today, that they closed their factory in Shanghai last month because uh, there was a shortage of semiconductors. I presume it was only a temporary uh, closure, but it, it just goes to show, doesn't it, how much it, uh, this is playing on the supply. Not as we were saying yesterday, it's yeah. difficult to keep people in work if there's no work for them to do even if it's only a temporary thing the REB and it's not a lack of demand you just yeah. can't fulfil the orders yeah yeah exactly alright well we'll leave it there for today we've also got the Caging Services actually talking about China the Caging Services PMI for China as well tonight but uh, that's it for now good to talk Kevin we might give someone else a go on Monday and uh, we'll talk to you later on in the week next week see you then have a good weekend thanks Phil and that's it another week on the morning call we are five years and one week old I'll be back again on Monday morning I'm Phil Dobby for now see you then <laughs>